When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Yeah, I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. Welcome to the first episode of MKT to the Future, a marketing futurism podcast. I'm joined by Isaiah Friedman and Ben Alon. So you guys are involved with Syracuse Sport Business Conference. Your co-founders, Isaiah, you're the vice president of marketing, and Ben, you're the president of SSBC. Talk to me a little bit about what SSBC is and what you guys are doing right now. Yeah, so the mission of SSBC, Syracuse Sport Business Conference, is we're trying to create an intimate setting, intimate environment where students and sport business professionals, um, young industry professionals can network alike in order to promote uh, positive career growth, even networking at its finest, as well as just interesting premium conversations. Isaiah, um, talk to me a little bit about what marketing looks like for SSBC as a digital brand. Of course. And before I get into that, we like to think of SSBC as not a win-win, but a win-win-win. Because the kids who work with us, they um, get so much value from just working in, basically, we treat it like a company. They make connections with people. And the guests win because they are getting to talk about themselves, spread their brand to young students. And then our listeners get to um, definitely have so much value out of this because look how much they gain. They're getting so intimate, like Ben said, with people in the industry that otherwise would be very hard to reach. And they're just learning from them for their own experiences. And that's really what we go to for our marketing. We want people to know that this isn't something you're getting at any other place. Yes, there are other college conferences that do very good jobs, but we think we just have the most people. We have some of the greatest people we've had. David Levy of TNT, we've had Chris Johnson, an NBA trainer, Albert Hall, who runs a summer league. We've had so many cool people, and all we're trying to do is just let people know that they're on and that you can go see them. Yeah, so Isaiah, you talked about kind of this intimate digital setting and a place where people can connect online. Little known fact, I was the original VP of communications for Syracuse Sport Business Conference from 2019 until March of 2020. And then you guys in the heat of COVID and lockdown really launched SSBC and grew it to what it is today. Can you talk about some of the things you did that were unique and some of the challenges of launching a brand during COVID? Yeah, so for starters, I mean, COVID had a huge profound impact on everybody from professionals and families to you know even the president of the united states as we can see from the most recent news um with our students and and our team everybody who is in the running for an amazing internship opportunity or full-time job opportunity um found themselves in a bit of a pickle they were all being canceled left and right companies weren't able to take on the budget of like paying students like they thought they would be able to they wouldn't be able to take on the um overall workload of being able to teach kids basically their business and how to run it and how to learn through that. Um, so we were at a crossroads where everybody was home for a couple of weeks after spring break. Syracuse had just announced that we weren't coming back to school for the rest of the summer or for the rest of the semester. You know, people like you who are graduating, Chris, 
you found yourself in a bit of a pickle because now you had to jump into full-time recruitment without even getting to say goodbye to your time at SU. Um, so while we were all sitting around, we decided to talk together and figure out, you know, how can we get everybody back involved? How can we grow our brand? And how can we get our minds off of this? And the only thing that led us to that point was turning digital. And Isaiah can touch on that a little further. Definitely. Thank you, Ben. And I think obviously COVID is, it's just such a sad thing in our country right now, but what we did was we took a really bad situation and we made the best of it. And ultimately, um, whether it's COVID, whether it's other forms of scenarios, you're always going to get bad stuff thrown at you. And Ben and the whole team have done such a great job of pivoting to these virtual series that we had really no intention of doing until COVID happened. We hadn't even thought about it. And these virtual series basically just exploded our brand over the summer. It let us actually like get to work on stuff because if we were having an in-person conference with COVID and it got canceled and didn't do virtual, we, we wouldn't have had anything to do. Also for the past few years, we've just told our networks everything we've been up to, all the planning we've been doing, how great this event was going to be at Turning Stone Resort and Casino um, where they host PGA tournaments. We were bringing 350 people to the, uh, to the venue. We had a lot of sponsorships. We had different vendors in place and everything kind of had to be canceled last minute. So this was the best way. We didn't have an Instagram page as of February last year. Like we created it, I'm pretty sure in January. We've had over 150,000 impressions over the summer on all social media and we've grown our brand so much. So when you say 150,000 impressions, that's a huge number, COVID or not, being a new brand and getting that. I think one of the things that captured me and how you guys stuck the landing on the pivot to digital is that you didn't make it feel like it was a less than launch. You made it feel like it was just as special. And one of the ways you did that was by bringing on really top tier guests, people like David Levy, former CEO of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, you've had really some of these pioneers and early adopters of uh, virtual gaming as a esports experience. Um, just really top tier people across the board. And I guess what I want to focus on with you guys in this conversation is some of the things you've picked up from these industry leaders and what they tell you about where sports marketing is going in the next 15 years. So I'm going to start off, Isaiah, what's one of the coolest things you've heard in these virtual panels from one of your guests? Oh, what a great question. Oh my God. We've had like 16 episodes now. I'm going to try and rack my brain. Okay. So we've had 18 actually. 18 episodes. My bad. Um, this isn't even related to sports marketing, but I personally thought this was the coolest and that's what's great about the show it, it doesn't have to focus yes it's sport business but we could bring on like with Chris we can bring on an NBA trainer which technically like is doesn't fall under the category of like a massive business and what Chris told me is that he teaches like eight-year-olds basketball and then he'll teach LeBron James basketball and he treats them exactly the same and he was talking about how no matter like how old they are or if they're immature mature he treats everyone the same and that's something that i think every business professional in sports can take away from that um obviously you're going to have some cases where people may not necessarily 
be working out with the company or you just need to talk to them a bit. Of course, everyone has those situations, but by keeping a level head and treating like Ben and I treat each other the same way we treat um, any kid who just brought on just with respect, uh, really wanting them to learn and contribute to the cause. Yeah. So for me, um, you know, I took away a lot from the esports episode, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we brought on Jeff Eisenbahn, who's a broadcaster for the NBA 2K League. He's actually going to be announcing the new PGA tournament this upcoming, uh, I think it's this week or in the next few weeks. We had Jordan Sherman, who's the CRO uh, of Gen G. Um, we had Ivan Curtis, OG King Kurt, as the NBA 2K community knows him. He basically created the league before it was actually picked up by the NBA. So cool. On top of that, we had Chris Henderson, who is in marketing partnerships for the NBA 2K League. So we had all facets from the actual announcer to somebody who works on the revenue operating side of, a, of the team to somebody who created the league and is a general manager of the Nets GC to somebody who works for the league. So it was really fascinating to hear how everybody kind of works together as one, almost like a community. Um, but was re- what was really cool about that was they were talking about how you know, in order to predict the future, you always have to see what the younger generation is up to. Um, so when it comes to that, they talked about how Gen Z spends about 23 hours a week streaming content and more than 11 and percent of millennials have played video games in the past 30 days, you know, with uh, corporate ad spending, influencer status, professional leagues and tournaments with prize money over, worth over a million dollars. You know, I think we're going to see more of esports permeating throughout our traditional media and social media channels as the years go on. One of the most jarring things about turning on ESPN during lockdown was flipping it on to see guys with headsets playing video games 2K. Personally, even though I'm running a marketing futurism podcast, I got to be honest, I'm not a huge video gamer, so I'm not really with it. Did those guys talk at all about um, in the moment of lockdown, kind of what was going on with streaming and were their numbers up? Yeah, so the numbers skyrocketed. I mean, they were, uh, they were broadcasting on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News. Like they, they had primetime television uh, times. They, they were on at 6.30 to, to almost midnight, you know. I would turn it on and even see Jeff, who was our panelist, right on the screen in front of me. It was, it was absurd. It, it was wild. Um, and, you know, during my time with the Nets as an intern, not this past summer, but the summer before, I was actually able to go into the in-game arena in Brooklyn and see an actual tournament go on. And, and it's crazy. The players talk a lot of trash to one another. The fans get into it. There's family there. So it gets even more, uh, <laughs> it gets even more hot in, in the room. Um, and, and it's, it's a real environment. Like I was shocked for anybody who's not really into video games and to esports and doesn't really see the value prop behind it. They need to go to a game in order to really experience the true value that there is behind it. I like what you said about the personal element to that. Cause I definitely picked that up watching it in March or April. I kind of want to tie that back to what Isaiah said earlier about how building a brand in sports and gaining respect is pretty flat, whether you're LeBron James or a 13-year-old kid wanting to be LeBron James, you can get respect if you want it. Can you talk about, do you see esports as an avenue for people, aspiring athletes to become their own brand advocates? 100%. 
So, I mean, you can see it through a millennial ninja. Like he, I'm pretty sure Microsoft paid him $30 million this year to switch over to their streaming platform that ended up failing. (laughs) And then they had to pay him to be able to get out of the contract and cancel everything. And so he just made 30 million just like that because of his name, image, and likeness, you know? Um, you see last year in Queens, there was that Fortnite tournament that I'm pretty sure a 16 year old won for $3 million was the prize. Like it's getting very real. And his father even said, this was the best investment I've ever made. Like, like making sure that his son worked on playing Fortnite more than, you know, not necessarily schoolwork or getting active in terms of, you know, physical sports that require in-person, um, you know, attention and activity. But, you know, there's so much being done in terms of like there are tutors now, like people are opening up businesses. Syracuse University opened up its gorgeous new uh, training center for all the students, rec center. And there's an esports facility in there with over 100 monitors, every type of uh, gaming console possible. And kids are flooding the buildings. I mean, obviously now with COVID, it's you need to go by appointment basis. But last year when I walked in there, I was amazed to see the like the impact that that had on the greater community. Um, and I'm pretty sure within upstate New York, we're one of the only, if not the only area with like an actual professional esports arena. So that's kind of wild. Yeah, Ben, I totally agree with that. And I want to take this as a small opportunity to just kind of like question the whole education system. And I think esports would have been even bigger by now if stuff like that was just more embraced to teach. And I understand all the politics, like are U.S. classes really going to ever teach esports? But isn't the point of education to ultimately let kids be able to support themselves? And you look now with viewership and everything, and the platform is changing. If I were a sports marketer, I would not be investing my dollars in long-term over a certain platform like cable. But what is not changing are the personalities and the companies. Like you look at a ninja. If you're a sports marketer, invest in ninja, because no matter which uh, round table of places he's going to be, you will make money if you're with him. But say you invest in the Microsoft thing, that's gone. And I don't know how long it took, but it didn't last very long. So esports are a great way where these people are building their brands. So as someone in sports marketing, stick with the people, not the actual platforms, because those are, you see it right now. I think we're in the early stages of Instagram imploding. I saw a tweet that gained massive engagement today that people want to see their families again on Instagram. They're being bombarded with ads and all these other companies paying for placement up top. And that's why, because as a company, you start off with a good product and then eventually you have to make money. And that's just going to be a cycle that keeps going and going. And um, the platforms will always change, but the personalities will not. Even with influencers, you're seeing they're attracting massive followings and, and they have the ability to, you know, almost control and predict the future. Like I'm pretty sure Kylie Jenner and one other huge celebrity posted about just signing up to vote. And they had an increase, there was an increase of like almost 28,000 voters just by influencers posting to vote and why they should, why people should. So you're starting to see, um, you know, a lot of famous celebrities or people who like on TikTok, these new TikTok stars are starting to showcase their skills and they're expanding to different platforms. And 
They're bringing in tons of sponsorship revenue with that. <clears throat> they're basically entities in and of themselves, just like normal athletes now. Mm-hmm. Just like the, the normal NBA superstar has enough equity like Spencer Dinwiddie, where he can open up his own venture capital firm now and start trying to trade with his future earnings and potential, uh, you know, play. This mm-hmm. is going to open up a whole new stream of revenue sources, um, business models, as well as opportunities for the younger generation to create their own brand with ha- without having to tie their name to a huge company or to anything. They can create and own their own content, own their own IP now. In the past 10 years, you know, when I was studying PR, not a very long time ago, the entire focus was on social media and being a social media marketer that that was the way to get a job. Um, it's a very short form, quick hitting type of communication. It's also under heat now with documentaries like The Social Dilemma and continuing controversy over elections and various ways that social media can manipulate the way that uh, we operate. Do you guys think sports marketing students should, the next wave is to focus on long form content, more personal content, and I guess for lack of a better word, less malicious content? Um, definitely, I think I'm kind of old school. Like for instance, take TikTok. My little cousin, she's a freshman at Syracuse. She showed me TikTok like a year before it blew up. I look at it and I'm like, what is this? And then all of a sudden it's blown up. So it shows how much I know in that regard. But I think people will always appreciate long form storytelling and maybe I could be wrong with that with you see that um, attention spans are ridiculously fast. Uh, yeah, they're just so short now. I mean, you, I've seen like seven seconds Instagram. Seven seconds, yeah. You look at a video, you're done after that. We created an intro that uh, we use for YouTube videos to introduce panelists. We couldn't do it for Instagram because it lasted 10 seconds. We're like, people won't watch the video because they'll just see the intro. But And then you see people will stay for two hours on a star they like's Twitch stream. So I think that long form will always be there. It's just, there are so many other options that the customer, they're not gonna be watching some subpar content. You have to bring it if you really want people to stick with you. I also think engaging. That's the biggest part. So, you know, there are people like Zach King who have found boatloads of success by creating the most almost magical edits within a 10 second frame. And, and he just has tons of those videos, which is why he's so mainstream now. You also have somebody like my roommate in college. He, he is so talented when it comes to video editing. He has almost 4,000 followers on Instagram just by starting to post videos two years ago. When it comes to SoundCloud, he's also started to mix and, and create his own sets and take different like beats from different um, famous musicians. He's approaching 200,000 streams this year alone. That's sick. And, and he's on his own independent, like he's an information management technology major studying data analytics, but he has this passion for content. So just in that of itself, like you can take that background and try to think about on a massive scale, what is the rest of our generation up to right now? It seems like a lot of kids are creating their own podcasts, creating their own video platforms, creating their own social media marketing uh, strategy businesses, you know, e-commerce is a big one. So when I look at the grand scheme of things, 
it, yeah, like I, I think it's up to the individual user, but when it comes to our audience, they're looking to be engaged with quick, rapid, you know, cuts, fast edits. But also on top of that, I think what they're looking for most, like in terms of a sports business conference, is they're looking for premium discussions with premium industry executives. Like they want to hear from the best what the best has to offer. Like they want to know how can I basically take this person's blueprint for their career and their life and how can I emulate it to the best of my abilities while still making it my own? And that's what we're trying to do for not even just Syracuse, but students all over the world. Yeah. Like we, we recently partnered with the University of Toronto sports business so that we can start to promote this in Canada because we think that what we have is incredibly valuable for other people. I'm going to wrap this episode here. Um, ben, you did a great job kind of talking to my final question. So I'll circle back to you. But Isaiah, what is one piece of advice, closing advice that you have for future marketers about how to prepare for the rapidly evolving sports industry? Oh, wow. That's great. For future marketers in sports, um, I think, I don't want to repeat myself, but you have to trust in your content and you have to not trust you can't put your face so much in traditional platforms like cable tv you look i mean for example the nba playoffs um 2013 you have five million viewers a game now in 2018 it was down to around four cable tv and you hear these stats all the time like oh my god the ratings were down again and people perceive that as a lack of interest, but it's not. It just shows that people are leaving cable and what and doing streaming and sometimes illegally. And if I'm a marketer, I'm looking, where's the next place that the most eyeballs are going and how can I use my content, which I know will be good no matter where it goes. How can I decide where to put it and how to max? Um, yeah, just maximize that. Ben, you're the president of the entire SSBC. So you deal with different things like finance or organizing technical aspects of how you deliver the product. Can you talk to me from that? You're in the leadership chair. And when you deal with marketing, um, what is some one piece of advice you have for young marketers about how to manage up and advocate for marketing and continue to grow the profession so in my opinion, over the course of my experiences, this is what I think is the most important thing. I think that you need to think analytically in terms of your approach. So when you're trying to figure out what it is you want to put out there, you need to think of it holistically. How are people going to receive this? How are people going to receive me? How are people going to receive the message? Is this something that will stick out to people and really grasp them? Or is it something that they'll kind of just keep swiping by? Yeah. Then you got to analyze all the trends in the industry. You got to analyze synergies between what it is that you're trying to market and what it is that's already out there. After that, you need to differentiate your approach. You can't make it same cookie cutter style as everybody else. You can't try to be like, all right, well, Barstool is so incredibly amazing at this one thing that we're going to try to copy their approach and grow big off of that. People are going to see right through you. That's just not, that's not real marketing. That's fake. That's yeah. just, that's almost clout chasing. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, a lot of kids think that differentiating is just being able to do a lot of different things at once. No, you need to find the one thing that you're really good at 
and just be the best at it. By far, enhance your skills and sharpen them to the point where nobody else can beat you at that. And that's when you can start to broaden your approach and, and increase your horizons when it comes to marketing. Awesome. Guys, this was, this was a great conversation. Um, with that in mind, I think you guys totally warrant a second episode. So you guys are the first guest and then also in the future, the first recurring guest. So I want to thank you again for coming on. Um, do you guys want to talk for just a second about what's coming up in the near pipeline for SSBC? Oh, definitely. We are, we got some, I don't want to be like, oh, every single marketer, but we have some big things in the works. Um, <laughs> I don't think I should say anything specifically, but um, we're, we're definitely targeting some pro sports players now that have huge followings. And we think we legitimately have a shot to get these people. And it's really all up from here. Also, what's been really great, and I want to touch more on a personal bit, uh, a personable basis than it is like what we're planning to do. Our team has just been incredibly engaged. Like they, they've been amazing. They're young, like they're go-getters and they, they want to make this as special as possible. So I'm, in, I'm excited to see their growth personally and professionally over the course of the next year and then come back and visit after I graduate and see where they're at, making sure that this is taken to new heights. Yes, we are planning amazing episodes. We are planning multiple virtual summits and hopefully an in-person summit if we are granted accessibility to do so. However, in the grand scheme of things, what's most important is helping students build connections with people they never thought they would be able to using our platform because we've been able to figure it out. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't be in this situation if I didn't have, you know, my parents or siblings or different mentors or mentee, uh, even mentees reach out to me and like give me the motivation to be able to do what I'm doing in terms of personal networking calls, but broadcast that to a larger audience. So um, I'm just really appreciative to have an awesome team. Chris, thank you for giving us the platform to be able to talk about this and, and give our thoughts on where we see the future going. Um, I think you did an incredible job moderating. And also, very underratedly, Chris didn't mention this about himself, but he was a guest on our seventh episode of our digital series. Um, so oh thank gosh, you for yeah, your participation right. <laughs> in the digital series and making it so great. All right, so that has been episode one of MKT to the Future. Stay tuned for future young professionals like Isaiah and Ben coming on to talk about their early experiences and where they think marketing is going into the future. <laughs>